What should we expect from Dawson Knox, Dalton Kincaid, and the Buffalo Bills tight ends in 2023? I'm breaking that down today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Lockdown NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Lockdown Bills. want to thank you for making Lockdown Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, folks, I'm very excited to talk tight ends with you on today's episode. A big deal for the Buffalo Bills moving forward with Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid, both in the mix. And we're going to have this conversation just like we did with quarterbacks and running backs this week. So I'm going to reflect on 2022 consider what's new about the position group and what that tells us. I want to get into my biggest questions now and in the future. And then of course, set my expectations for the unit in 2023. So let's start by reflecting on 2022 as it relates to the Buffalo Bills tight ends. And I want to start with discussing their collective production. And obviously most of this is Dawson Knox but it is inclusive of all the Bills tight ends last year. And so last year, the Bills tight ends collectively had 65 catches for 677 yards and eight touchdowns. Those 65 catches were 25th in the NFL. Those 677 yards were 24th in the NFL and eight touchdowns was ninth. But when it comes to receptions and yards, the Bills were in the bottom 25% of the league in tight end production, just like it was the previous two seasons. So 2021, the Bills tight ends had 61 catches, which was 29th in the league. In 2020, the Bills tight ends had 42 catches, which was 30th in the NFL. So the Bills just have not had much collective production from tight ends in their offense over the last three seasons. And what's fascinating about that is it should change quite a bit moving forward, starting in 2023. And so we'll talk about what that looks like here in a moment, but I want to continue reflecting on 2022 by talking about the seasons that Dawson Knox, Quentin Morris, and Tommy Sweeney delivered. So Dawson Knox in 2022, 48 catches, 517 yards, six touchdowns. He was fifth uh, in tight end receiving touchdowns despite only playing in 15 games last year. Now, he had some very good metrics. Uh, uh, 9.4% drop rate, which was his second consecutive season under 10%. That was a big concern for Dawson Knox over his first couple of seasons was the drops. He's really done a lot better with that over the last two years. He received, he caught 73.8% of his targets. That was a career high for him. That topped his uh, mark of 20 of 69% back in 2021. And then the year before that, it was 54%. So you've seen this efficiency just increase year over year with Dawson Knox and him 
bringing in the highest percentage of his targets of his career last year in a number that's incrementally went up from 54% to 69% to 73.8%. Uh, Josh Allen had a 108.3 passer rating when targeting Josh Allen. That was seventh most or seventh highest in the NFL among tight ends with at least 50 targets. So just a lot of good things happened when Josh Allen threw the football to Dawson Knox, not to mention he had no penalties last year. Uh, after having five the year before. And so I think him cleaning that up was really good. But overall, when I think about Dawson Knox in 2022, a little bit of a quiet start to the season. He had some injuries early on. He had the unexpected passing of his younger brother, uh, adjusting to a new play caller. I'm not sure that the lack of production early on was his fault or not, but it ramped up down the stretch. He had five games in a row with a receiving touchdown. And at a minimum, he told us with his performance in 2022 that his breakout in 2021 was not a fluke and that he is this type of player moving forward. As for Quentin Morris, um, he was on the field for 30% of the Bills offensive snaps, a a four-phase special teams player, but just not a lot of receiving production, only eight catches for 84 yards and a touchdown last season. And obviously with Dalton Kincaid's arrival, you expect Quentin Morris to Um, really simmer down in terms of his role on the offense. We'll talk about that more in the next segment. But, you know, Quentin Morris does have some appealing qualities as a player. Didn't have much opportunity, but I like his flashes. I think he's pretty athletic, has a lot of special teams ability. And so I think he's a a serviceable third tight end, which is probably the role he'll fill moving forward. And then you also had Tommy Sweeney as part of this mix, who only appeared in five games. He only played 68 total offensive snaps. He had one catch for seven yards and he's now a member of the New York Giants. And so that's kind of my thoughts looking back on 2022. Let's now consider what's new about the position group, and what does that tell us about the direction of the Bills' offense? Well, in 2022, we just went through the cast of characters, Dawson Knox, Quentin Morris, Tommy Sweeney. Now you have Dawson Knox, Dalton Kincaid, who was a first-round pick that you traded up to draft, and now Quentin Morris becomes your tight end three. Now, the Bills have other players, but I don't expect any of them to be a real threat to make their roster, uh, barring injury. But what this tells us is very clear. After three years in a row of very poor collective tight end production, we just went through it. I mean, bottom 25% towards the bottom every year, they want more out of this unit. And you can go back through the recent history and be reminded of some of the players the Bills have signed in free agency at tight end, whether it was Tyler Croft or Jacob Hollister or O.J. Howard. None of those players really materialized to be meaningful assets to the offense, but you can just tell that they've been trying to get another tight end in the in the building that they can lean into more 12 personnel. And obviously they liked what Dalton Kincaid brings to the table. They traded up to get him, and it's a big investment in this other tight end to go with Dawson Knox. And so the messaging is clear. They want more out of this position group. They want to incorporate tight ends more. And after uh, several years of just not necessarily landing the right guy, they go out and invest premium assets in Dalton Kincaid to be that answer that they're looking for at the position group and evolve the offense moving forward. And so a lot of our conversation moving forward today is going to be focused on that. uh, But it's pretty clear that the Bills have been looking for this tight end And uh, certainly they feel like they got their guy in the form of Dalton Kincaid. All right, a bunch more to get to here today on Lockdown Bills. But first, I need to tell you about FanDuel. 
Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 that you can spend on everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's simply no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, let's dive into my biggest questions now and in the future for the Bills tight ends. And we're going to have a lot of information here coming in this segment and the next segment. But my first question is, can the Bills get multiple tight ends going? Because in reality, they haven't really gotten one going. It hasn't really been that big of a dynamic of this offense. And now you have big investments in two players in the form of Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid. And I always go back to this, and I've done this with other things in studying the Bills and kind of forecasting things moving forward, and it's going back to the Carolina Panthers, right? I think it's always a good idea to consider the elements in place from the Carolina Panthers um, and feel like a lot of that has been at least attempted to be replicated in Buffalo. Of course, referring back to the time in Carolina that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean were there together, that mutual time from 2011 to 2016. And I go back to 2011, and that Panthers offense featured Mike Shula as an assistant coach. Ken Dorsey was also part of that staff. But it's that tight end duo of Greg Olson and Jeremy Shockey that really stands out. That year in 2011, the Panthers tight ends accounted for 85 catches for 1,008 yards, which is on par with what the Bills tight ends have received over the last two seasons combined. In 2011, Olson and Shockey, they accounted for 151 targets, which was 30% of the Panthers' passing attempts. By comparison, the Bills' tight ends accounted for 14% of targets last year, 13% in 2021, and 12% in 2020. So not close to measuring up to that type of market share. And Dawson Knox has been reasonably productive, but the tight end, too, has not been productive at all over the last three seasons. 2022, your tight end, too, was Quentin Morris. Eight catches on 11 targets, 84 yards and a touchdown. He was on the field for 30% of snaps. Tight end, two in 2021 was Tommy Sweeney. Nine catches on 12 targets for 44 yards, one touchdown on the field for 30% of snaps. Then tight end, two in 2020 was Tyler Croft. 16 targets, 12 receptions. 119 yards, three touchdowns, was on the field for 45% of snaps, but that was also being mindful of Dawson Knox missing four games. So can they get multiple tight ends going? Now, they certainly haven't had this much talent at tight end. Knox and Kincaid is astronomically more intriguing than Knox and Q Morris or Knox and Tommy Sweeney or Knox and Tyler Croft, but can they do it? It's a big question that I have. The next question is, well, let's assume that they can do it. Well, what does it look like? What does it look like? How do you get how do you get uh 
enough production out of both of these players for you to feel like it made sense to not only pay Dawson Knox $14 million a season, but also then invest a first and a fourth round pick in Dalton Kincaid. What does that look like? I mean, Josh Allen is going to throw the football in 2023 roughly 600 times. So you have 600 targets to distribute among your offensive skill players and, and maybe more. I mean, Josh Allen had 646 passing attempts in 2021. So if you let's work with a number of 600, if 20% of 600 targets go to tight ends, that's 120 targets for the Bills tight ends. If he gets to 25% of targets, that's 150 to tight ends. And if you get to 30% of targets, that's 180 going to tight ends. I don't know that we get to that 30% in 2023. Before 2023, I do think 20%, which is 120 combined targets for the Bills tight ends is a reasonable mark, which falls you know, into something that I would accept. So I think that you we should be looking at this year 120 combined targets for the Bills tight ends. So that's what I think it looks like to get the value this year. And then I think you start to creep up to 25% in 2024. My next question is, how is Dawson Knox impacted by the arrival of Dalton Kincaid? And my quick answer is, I don't think he is. I don't think there's any impact to Dawson Knox. I think Dawson Knox continues to play the role that he has for this offense. And whether it's how he's used or the volume of targets, I don't think anything changes. And I'll get into that more with my expectations where I talk about vacated targets and where Kincaid can really eat into this offense. But I don't think that there's much of an impact on Dawson Knox, and and I don't think there should be. You've made a commitment to Dawson Knox, and he needs to be a big part of what you do. The next question that I have is, how quickly can Dalton Kincaid acclimate himself? We've talked about tight ends throughout the years on this podcast, and typically they don't come into the NFL and produce right away. It's pretty rare. So how quickly can this happen for Dalton Kincaid? Well, there's a number of things that I think are working for him. First of all, his skill set and who he is as a player. Dalton Kincaid is a very nuanced route runner with very natural hands and ball skills with great body control. That's very helpful in believing that he can step in and make an impact right away. So is how he was used at Utah. That's one of my favorite things about Dalton Kincaid is he comes from an offense in Utah that is very pro-like in terms of tight end utilization. A lot of 12 personnel, a lot of 13 personnel at Utah, and he'll be asked, or he was asked to do a lot of the things that he will be asked to do with the Buffalo Bills, both from a blocking and a route running perspective. And so while Dalton Kincaid is relatively young in his football career, he is a guy that has the type of skill set and has been used in the type of way that I think sets himself up well to make an impact early on. And so I do think that that gives him a chance to get ahead of the curve. But obviously, expectations are high, and we want to see him make an impact quick. The next question that I have here is, what are the consequences of Dawson Knox's contract? What are the consequences of Dawson Knox's contract? Can you pay another offensive weapon meaningful money? 
because you're paying Diggs, you're paying Knox, you're obviously paying Josh Allen. Can you pay a third guy in your passing game meaningful money? If Knox is the fourth option in the passing game, can you justify $14 million a year for him? And I extend the same question to Gabriel Davis because I think Gabriel Davis is going to get a contract that's around $14 million a season. When you signed Dawson Knox, was that saying no to Gabe Davis or will they find a way to sign both? I'm pretty convinced that the Bills are going to want to continue with Gabe Davis, but maybe there is that hard question to ask. So what is the impact here? You pay Dawson Knox $14 million a season. What's the opportunity cost here? And if he is paid $14 million a season, are you okay with that as your third option in the passing game or your fourth option in the passing game, having that much allocated to him? The last question that I have here for the Bills tight ends is what is the impact of Dalton Kincaid's arrival on Quentin Morris? I mean, obviously it's pretty significant. Quentin Morris went from being tight end two and on the field for 30% of the offensive snaps to me not believing that he comes close to that. So is he a player that's active on game days? Does he dress? Well, I think he's got a good chance for two reasons. He's been a four-phase special teams player for the Bills. But the Bills typically haven't dressed three tight ends on game days. But does that special teams ability plus the increased emphasis on tight ends, right? I mean, you just drafted Dalton Kincaid to go with Dawson Knox. Clearly, tight ends are going to be a big part of what you do. And if that's the case, you want to have depth to step in in case you have an injury. Does the combination of special teams plus the emphasis of using tight ends lead to Quentin Morris getting a jersey on Sundays. I I think there's a good chance of it. So my first inclination as well, you know, maybe he's really kind of phased out and is an inactive player, but I think special teams plus needing the depth will make Quentin Morris an active player on game day. All right, folks, excited to break down my expectations for the Bills tight ends in 2023 right after a very quick break. All right, folks, let's talk about my expectations for the Bills' tight ends in 2023. And the first thing I have written down is maximize these investments. Tight ends have to be a big part of the identity of the Bills' offense. Obviously, Josh Allen is the identity of the offense. Stephon Diggs is going to have a huge role. There's other players that are going to matter. But tight ends, we need to feel their presence. I teased the volume and market share stuff in the last segment. Now let's get more specific with it. Dawson Knox in 2022 had 65 targets. In 2021, he had 71. Like I mentioned, I don't think anything changes there. It should stay the same. 65 to 75 targets for Dawson Knox. Now what about Dalton Kincaid? I talked about wanting them to push for 120 targets at least. Where do those 120 targets come from? Well, before I even consider eating into any players' targets that they got from last year, Gabe Davis, Steph Diggs, any of those players, let's look at the vacated targets. There's a lot of opportunity. Isaiah McKenzie, 65 targets. Those have to go somewhere else. Devin Singletary, 52 targets. Those have to go somewhere else. 
Jameson Crowder, 13. Zach Moss, 8. Jake Kumaro, 7. Isaiah Hodgins, 6. Cole Beasley, 2. John Brown, 2. Tanner Gentry, 1. Tommy Sweeney, 1. Oh, by the way, the Bills only played 16 games last year. Josh Allen, on average, throws the football 35 times a game. So if you add that 35 to all the other numbers that I gave you, that's 192 available targets that are just vacated from last year. Can Kincaid get 60 to 70 of those? I mean, Isaiah McKenzie got 65 targets last year. To me, that's like the minimum. Just give those 65 targets that went to Isaiah McKenzie to Dalton Kincaid. If you do that, that still leaves 127 vacated targets to go to your new wide receivers, Sherfield and Hardy, to go to James Cook, go to go to Naheem Hines, to give even more to Steph Diggs. There's not a big problem here, folks. There's plenty of targets to be distributed and make sure that everyone's used properly. 192 available targets. Again, Isaiah McKenzie had 65 last year. Give those to Dalton Kincaid. You still have 127 left to distribute. Continuing with my expectations for the Bills tight ends in 2023, I would I would reference you guys back to the conversation that I had with Anthony Prohaska, cover one. Uh, we really got deep into the advantages of 12 personnel, the benefits, what the offense could look like. And that was a podcast that we did on May 26th. It was titled, How the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen Can Maximize Dalton, Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox in Two Tight End Formations. So if you really want some in-depth analysis on how it comes together, what it can look like, and what the benefits are, definitely go back and listen to that episode if you missed it. But the bottom line is that there's just a ton of options, versatility galore with what you can do with Kincaid and Knox and what that can mean for the offense. But if it doesn't happen, questions are going to be notable. And not that we're going to get the clear picture next year, right? This deserves time to let it play out and onboard him and give Dalton Kincaid a real chance to you know, make his impression on this offense and have a big-time role and be a key pillar of this team. But if it doesn't come together, I mean, the questions are going to be big. And those questions are between the alignment of the coaching staff and the scouting staff. I mean, this has been a multi-year search to find this tight end. He made a big commitment. Need to see it happen. And I, there's just admittedly a piece of me that gets nervous about it. I, I think very highly of Dalton Kincaid. I've, I said that his receiving ability, before he was a Buffalo Bill, I said his receiving ability is unmatched in that draft class. The Bills need to take full advantage of this player for a number of reasons, but one of them being that I don't want to have questions about the alignment between the coaching staff and the scouting staff because – Last year, there was this whole big deal about receiving backs, right? Got to get a receiving back. You tried to sign J.D. McKissick. That, that, didn't, that didn't work out. And then you turn around and you signed uh, Duke Johnson, right? And you, you drafted James Cook. You wanted this receiving profile out of the backfield. And then 
the Bills didn't get much receiving production out of running backs last year. And you start to ask yourself, well, like this felt like it was a big part of what you wanted to do, and then you didn't do it. I don't want to feel that way about this tight end stuff. I know what this can mean for the offense. I know what this can mean for Josh Allen. Use it. And I don't want to have to answer questions about the Bills and playing rookies and whether or not they do it and how much that matters. Like, just use the player. He's really good. I think he has a chance to be the number two option in this passing game and really provide an exciting skill set for Josh Allen. Now we just need it to come together. And I got a, there's a piece of me that doubts it. There's a little piece of me that doubts it. I'm super optimistic. I've said a lot about Dalton Kincaid since he's been a Bill and before he's been a Bill. I just want to see it come together in a big way. All right, folks. There we, we did it. We did the thing here on tight ends. We covered quarterbacks, running backs in tight ends this week. Next week, we'll focus on some other positions. We'll kick it off with wide receivers, which will be a lot to dive into, especially with asking ourselves some hard questions about how Deontay Hardy and Trent Shurfield factor into this offense in addition to Khalil Shakir with Gabe Davis and Steph Diggs, and what does it all mean for Justin Shorter? There's a lot to dive into next week, so come on back. Make sure that you're subscribed. Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills, and I look forward to catching up with you again on Monday.